And that's why the dog was at the bar, Richard. And that's why they call it in media res. Oh, hi, everybody. I didn't see you there. (laughs) What a great story. I'm John. I'm Richard. This is Bronze and Modern Gods. Follow us, blah, 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 social media, blah, blah, website, blah, blah, like, subscribe, algorithm, that stuff. (laughs) Richard, we're going to be at Neo Comic Con. I know. Day is approaching, isn't it? It is coming close. Yes, Neo Comic Con is excited to welcome the team from Bronze and Modern Gods to bustling metropolis of North Olmsted, Ohio, this July 30th for their eighth annual convention. Yeah, we'll join more than 100 comic book dealers, artists, and vendors at Northeast Ohio's most comic-oriented show. With 180 tables of merchandise, 120 which, which will be actual booths of comics, you can find everything from dollar bargains to the high-end collectible that have all but disappeared from other shows. Along with us live streaming from the event, you'll also get a chance to meet some of the region's best comic creators, along with this year's special guest, Gosh, the co-creator of the Scarlet Spider and longtime Sonic the Hedgehog artist, Stephen Butler. All attendees will have a chance to participate in the charity raffle, which is four tables of collectible awesomeness donated by the best dealers and vendors from Ohio, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Indiana, what, no Illinois? With 100% of the proceeds going to the local Animal Protective League. Two thumbs up for that. So join Richard and I at NEO Comic Con this July 30th. More info at neocomiccon.com. Richard, do you like I dressed up for the show today? That is such a striking shirt. I, I, I appreciate it. I approve it 100%. It's all Jack Kirby, Captain America, lots of Red Skull, uh, I would tell you where I got it from, but they're not a sponsor and I had to pay for the shirt. So <laughs> F them. Uh, let's take a moment here before we get really into it. I want to take a moment to remember probably my second favorite artist of all time who passed away this week. And that is John Romita. Uh, John Romita defined the look of Marvel comics throughout the seventies. He was their art director. He did all the licensing imagery. You see those classic images of Spider-Man and Captain America and the Hulk that would be on your Trapper Keeper notepad that you used to carry to school or your lunchbox. Richard, any John Romita memories? Anything that stood out? I know you loved his amazing Spider-Man, right? Yeah, Spider-Man is, you know, I think of Romita, I think of Spider-Man. And he is just... He is the iconic artist for that character. I, you can't separate him, Spider-Man, from John Romita. He's just so influential. Um, yeah, you know him, and and you know later his son have, you know, their art ran through all of my early childhood, and I really appreciate the man. And I'm sorry to see him pass. It's so funny that he took over a no-win situation. Steve Ditko created Spider-Man, co-created Spider-Man. He defined the look of that character for the first three years of his, exi- his existence. And then John Romita had to come on and sort of imitate Ditko in those first few issues. And then he just kind of found his own voice and he became the Spider-Man artist, I think m- even more so than, than Ditko, which is no small feat. He corrected a lot of, you know, Ditko had some anatomy issues uh, early on. Let's call uh, them idiosyncrasies. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I, I remember that, you know, I remember reading that that transition from that kind of style to more anatomically correct and action oriented uh, art that John Romita really championed. I know. And it's, it's sad. I mean, he had a nice long life, nothing to really uh, be 
too sad about, but it, it is losing a great talent and we're losing them one by one from this era. So uh, Godspeed, John Romita. Thank you for everything and your amazing, amazing talent. Moving on to our hot book of the week. Richard, I think I'm having a flashback. <laughs> yeah. War of the Realms, New Agents of Atlas number one. No, you haven't actually accidentally clicked on one of our shows from 2021. Are you this sure? Is, I, I, you know, this issue is back in the spotlight again. Thanks to rumors of K-pop star Jenny from Blackpink being cast as Luna Snow in an upcoming MCU project. Richard, are you aware of Blackpink? I love Blackpink. Blackpink is one of my, I can't say favorite bands, but it's a band that I really enjoy. Lalisa you, is a part of Black, and, and she is awesome. If you don't know about Blackpink, don't think it's something small that, you know, is a niche thing. I mean, Blackpink are huge. If this right. is true, this is really kind of major news. Uh, this particular book is the first appearance of Luna Snow in comics. Didn't know this either. She was actually introduced in a Marvel video game called Future Flight. Didn't know that. Then she was ported over to the comics. You also have the first appearance of Arrow, Wave, among some other new uh, Asian-based uh, characters. Asian-based. Did I mean to say that? Asian <laughs> descent characters. How's that? Uh, kind of a bargain right now for a CGC 9.8, right? Yeah. 9.8 is only going for around $100, which I find really surprising. High-grade raw copies are about $25, $30 bucks on eBay. I feel like, Richard, we keep telling people about this book, but it hasn't really popped yet. Yeah, it's, and I, I think we're just missing a vehicle to make it move. And we, we knew from a long, from, you know, when we first started talking about this, this was a long-term uh, idea. And if, if we have Blackpink appearing oh my goodness that is going to be huge um yeah don't forget don't forget the, the second print of this book which has luna snow on the cover by herself or the second print that uh was put out by um oh my goodness my 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 one of my favorite uh, frankie's comics i don't know why i drew a blank there they have a uh, a version of a uh, second print of this book that has silk on the cover which is absolutely gorgeous very cool. So there it is. Uh, there's your acid flashback for the week. <clears throat> yeah, little close up on the shirt. You can see I, the, uh, that is a cool shirt. And there's the Captain America logo. And, <laughs> uh, time for a little show and tell. I can start this week. Speaking of Jack Kirby and Captain America, how about Tales of Suspense number 74? Look at that. That is beautiful. The colors on that are amazing. This uh, is an iconic Jack Kirby Captain America cover. That pose was used in a lot of licensing as well. And you've got the giant skull ship I, with the little um, swastika on it. This is just gorgeous. I got this, I forget where, maybe House of Secrets in Burbank. And it is super sharp. Uh, Cleaned and pressed. I think she's going to Sarasota. Nine four minimum. Wow. I'm going to put wow. my stake in the ground and say nine four minimum on that book. What's your first piece of uh, show and tell? Well, you know, it's you know, we all we all buy books and we self grade them, and yeah, that's a great that's a great book, right? Um, I thought this book was a higher grade. I sent it off to CGC and uh, came back lower than I expected. Uh, but then I looked at it very closely, and I can kind of see why. So here's uh, Young Allies, number six. This is the uh, 
Art Adams variant. Love this book. It is super hard to come by. It's the one in 15 um, ratio book. Uh, just gorgeous. Firestars um, is just great on this cover. Uh, came back a 9-0. I thought it was going to be at least a 9-4. I mean, the, the quality of the book, I thought so. But when I got the book back and I looked closely at it's hard to see here on this. Uh, but there is there are rubbings on the spine next to where you, where young allies is that I didn't I did not see I you know you put your know, rose colored glasses on when you try to grade books sometimes one of the things that I recommend you do and I do this um, because looking at the book you know you you will visually just um, you will pass by flaws take your camera take your phone turn the camera on and look at the book through your camera that level of separation makes things pop out that are flaws that your normal eyeballs will just pass right by. Um, so the, yeah, this came back in 9.0. It doesn't really matter because this is a collector collection book, you know, so it's a PC book, but uh, I had hoped it was going to be a higher, higher grade. Don't you have another one though? It's a 9.4. Uh, I had sold that one. <gasps> this is my only one left. Yeah. I th like I said, I thought it was a sh it's a shoe and it's going to be a nine four at least. So I'll get this one. Graded. The sh shopping or the, uh, the stroller collection. Copy? Uh, no, no, that's a different book. You're thinking of another book. That's uh, uh new mutants is the one you're thinking of. Oh, you, okay. 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 Wow. Um, yeah. When you have a good point about being honest with yourself, when you're sending stuff in to be slabbed, I find, in the past, I'm really good about it now is that I would be rushing to get something out the door yes. and packaged. And I'm like, Oh, it's fine. It's a nine, four or better. You know, no, take a breath, slow down, look at everything again, one final time out of the bag before you, because you find stuff you're like, Oh, and count the pages. Don't forget to count the pages, especially if it's golden age or silver. Um, you don't want to miss that. That's the worst when you get uh, a green label because Missing ad page, the worst, <laughs> right? My next book for show and tell, hold your breath. It is a modern book. What? That came out last Wednesday. Is it a cap book at least? It is not a cap book. Wow. Oh. The Quasar book. It's a Hercules book. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, Marvel Voices Pride issue one, 2023 issue one, because there was one last year, I believe. Uh -huh. And it is a gorgeous Hercules cover by none other than P. Craig Russell, uh, who used to draw Kill Raven in the 70s for Marvel, along with a lot of his own creator owned uh, things. This is gorgeous. I'm not sure who that is in the upper corner. Is that, I don't know, some no, new character I saying, do, I do love the rainbow back there. Yeah. And uh, the one thing that cracks me up, first of all, great to see uh, openly LGBT artists doing art on an LGBT book featuring LGBT characters. I love when people complain about Hercules being bi. Like, <laughs> did you not read Greek mythology? Yeah, pretty much everybody in Greek mythology was bi. <laughs> Hercules wouldn't be like, um, Marvel didn't make that decision, you guys. No. What's your next piece for show and tell? Uh, and this is another book that I submitted. This is two of three. The third book is a Silver Age book. It has not come back yet. I, now, I talked about how um, I overgraded my own book. Um, mm -hmm. This one is not the case in this this, this case. This is this book is freaking perfect. And Did you it get a grade? 
a nine four. Oh, that's the one that was that the one that was on display before that you had. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Uh, this is absolutely perfect. I, I I got this book at. Um, sorry, Fanatic. tell everybody what it is. Okay, I'm sorry. This is Static uh, number forty five, the last issue of this of the first Static run, Static Shock. Uh, it's a gorgeous cover by um, what's his name? Mobius. Uh, Mobius. Thank you. Gorgeous cover. Um, awesome book. I'm a, I'm a fan of the Static TV show and and the series itself. So I wanted to get this book. Came across it at Fan Expo on the wall um, with with my friend Forrest. Negotiated for it. Got a got a good price for it. Got it back. The book is perfect. I mean, I look at this. I can see it in the slab. There's not a freaking flaw on this book. Now why uh, is it a nine four? I looked at the graders' notes. They they claimed there's light light bend on the which call it. And I pressed this book before I sent it in. I pressed it, and no, I hate that note because uh, you know what that note means. Hmm. The grader bent the book. It has to have been because the book was perfect when I send it out. I I pressed you know I pressed my moderns when they go out now, and this book was I was confident in the nine eight. Uh, nine six, I would have gone. You know, that's this kind of the price you pay. But a nine four, I think, is um, is undergrade. I, I won't crack it again to to send it in because it's, again, it's a PC book. You know, but, I I know you. <laughs> I just don't want to pay another forty bucks just for them to. You know, it's like I'm giving them money. Yeah, but what's that selling a nine eight? Oh, um, it used to be. Like, yeah, it's over a thousand. It's about a thousand. Yeah. I was gonna say yeah. it's supposed to be like a thousand dollar book at the height of uh, mm-hmm. comic madness. I don't know what it would be now, but that might be worth a CPR. Yeah, we'll see. I, you know, everybody in the comments yell at Richard. <laughs> if the book goes to, to sixteen hundred, I'll, I'll I'll crack and resubmit. But Fair until enough. then, I'm 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 happy with it. I have a couple of books that are related in my next show and tell, and they're just beautiful atlas war books Ooh, my golden age obsession it continues combat kelly number five look at that black cover wow look at that no chipping no wow. stress lines so that's mid 50s this is 1953 i believe okay. it's just absolutely wow. gorgeous um you know a little blunt corner here and there but for a black cover from then it's insane. And then it's not so nice partner, but still very nice. Uh, Combat Kelly, number eight. Mm, okay. Uh, with, you know, incredibly racist cover, but what are you going to do? It's the height of the Korean War. Right. I had a little bit of a heart attack when I was pressing these because I was pressing them both at the same time in separate press <laughs> presses, not the same press. <laughs> Look at the difference in, in width. You don't think it's trimmed, do you? I thought at first it was trimmed, and then I did a little uh, research, and no, they uh, Atlas just happened to change their dimensions oh. for printing right around this time. But boy, I was, wow, this is trimmed for sure, I thought. Mm-hmm. And, uh, then I compared a whole bunch of different images online and on eBay and at the Grand Comics database, and uh-huh. they're, all, they're all like that. They're all that size, so woohoo. <laughs> What's your next one? Uh, my last piece, you know, you talk about overly racist books. <laughs> uh, my last piece. First, I want to I want to talk about um, comics as a 
snapshot in time. Uh, there's a word called a zeitgeist, which the definition of defining the spirit or mood of a particular period of history as shown by the ideas and beliefs of the time. Um, so, you know, comics, I believe, are a form of zeitgeist for the, the age that they uh, came out in. You know, in the 60s, you had um, you had a certain type of feel for comics. In the modern age, you know, we've got things like, you know, LGBT covers, like, like John was showing earlier, which uh, is definitely a sign of the times. Well, I saw, I was watching Heritage Auctions, as I do sometimes, and a book came up that defines where, where, where it's it's incredibly racist by the standpoint of you and me today. Mm -hmm. But when the book was originally printed back in 1952, um, it was a different era and people had different ideas. And, and we have to realize that, that there was different norms and um, different things were accepted as truths. And so we have to look at comics in, in, in that light. So saw this book. It's a, it's a, from 1952, it's a 5.0, but it's restored. Okay. So I don't, this is literally the only book in my whole collection that's restored. It's the only book that's, that's I don't have any, any um, I don't have any uh, qualified books either. But um, gorgeous book. It's it sold for 60 bucks uh, graded on on heritage which means of course i paid by the time i was done paying fees it was almost 100 bucks but anyway so the book is called white princess of the jungle <laughs> <laughs> i had to have all that you know exposition to talk about this book um for those of you you know or who are listening it's please it's describe cover. the cover yes i will describe it in detail it says white princess of the jungle on the top. And then below there's a, a poor white man uh, tied to a tree. Well, he's actually gray. Is he gray? That's true. He is gray. So he's <laughs> an in, of indeterminate race. Although the, the, the foreground characters is a burly black man with a, um, he's wearing a tiger skin as his only form of clothing. Sure. And he's holding on to, uh, and looks like he's trying to tackle in a most physical way uh, uh a white woman who's wearing a bikini and has a dagger in her hand a cheetah bikini a cheetah bikini um it's yeah you saw i saw this and i i, I had to have it because you know i'm a good girl art fan i'm i'm trying to collect some of these uh books from you know from the golden age and at 60 bucks you know even 90 bucks by the time fees are paid is I, I couldn't pass it up um now, it's also an experiment for me to, to determine if I can see or spot restoration. Okay. Um, so I bought this book because it's a 5.0, and it's, it says the restoration is uh, moderate to extensive, and it says it consists of pieces added to the cover uh, mm -hmm. or a piece added to the cover. And I looked, and I cannot see. The spine on this book is really, really, really good. Really look fun. at the back. I wonder I look if it's the back, too. It's kind of hard to tell. Is it maybe the coupon there or a corner? You know? Um, oh, right down here. Now that I look, there's, there's, yeah. there's this coloration right there. There you go. I think that's where it was. You could remove it if you want and send it back in and get a universal grade, probably a three, five or so. Yeah. I, you know, it's, I'm, I'm totally happy. It looks good. You know, this is one of those books you buy before the looks. Um, it, there is no sale on GPA for this book at this grade. 
So I have no idea what this book is, you know, valued at. But you know, again, it's 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 a snapshot of, of time, and you know, when there are certain fears, and you know, it's 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 it kind of immortalizes those kinds of ideas, uh, for better or, or, or worse. But again, you got to take it in the context of 1952, not 2023. I think the most offensive thing about that book is that you bought it off Heritage and had to pay the buyers. I know, I know. I know. I wonder how many of our viewers and listeners see that book and immediately clinch. And I wonder out of those people who clinch, (laughs) how many of them are white liberal uh, leaning people? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where it would never fly just like blazing saddles would never fly today. You know, this is a chance explain to people why you don't have an issue purchasing that and having it in your collection. Cause I'm sure some people wouldn't understand. No, it's, it's, it's like, um, you know, comics, comics to me are a form of art. And we have to realize that any piece of art that is that has survived for a long period of time, um, the culture from the time that art was made to the culture that we are in now will differ. And things that were acceptable back then, um, and are commonplace are not today. That's just the fact of life. So you know, while if if a book like this was drawn by, you know, Art Adams, and put on the cover of a 2023 book, you know, I, I would have. You would still buy it. I would still buy it. Okay. Um, but, you know, the fact that it's from 1952, you know, 70 yeah. years ago, um, to me means I have to look at it in the, in the light of that. It's a gorgeous cover. The artwork is amazing. The colors are beautiful on this book. And I evaluate it as a piece of art. Um, to me, art is. Um, excluded from those kinds of um comparisons to to culture right because I why do you see that difference why do you think it was a 5.0 it looked really good for it you know, does it looks book. beautiful it's it's creamed off white pages i don't know what's a uh, i forgot i i pulled up the, the 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 graders notes on it i forget what they said um but um i'll have to look at it again to see if i can get more information as to why it's a 5.0 well, you know, speaking of covers from the 40s and 50s that were acceptable back then and and probably wouldn't fly today, I have one along those lines and it's really uh you know <laughs> male bondage at its best. I think this we, we should start a new feature here as part of show and tell and that would be the doll man bondage cover of the week. <laughs> You could run out. You could run at least two years before you run out of material. This is feature comics number seventy-eight, and there's Dollman trussed up as usual. Um, every one of these covers, just about with Dollman, he is in some form of uh, kinky, kinky uh, BDSM bondage type situation. They knew what they were doing. They had to have. Yes, they were absolutely aware of what they're doing because the stories inside never reflect the uh situation that is on the cover never trust me i looked and uh <laughs> this, this cracks me up so maybe each week i will pull a different sure. man well it's sold, it's sold books right i mean it's if if you put a white yeah. cover on the book it's not going to sell as well as if you put something that people want to see so there's an audience for that book he ran in feature comics to almost the bitter end for the entire 140 plus issue run plus at his own book for 
uh, all, nearly a decade, Dollman was incredibly popular. It was it's weird uh, that he's just like so unknown now, except for maybe seventies DC fans that bought Freedom Fighters, where he was part of the team of Freedom Freedom Fighters. But there's our show and tell for the week. Uh, tell us what you think, because we read all our comments. Then we dip our hand in to a little thing called viewer mail. You've got mail. That's where we read them on the air. We talked about Letterman last week. David Letterman, I forgot to mention, we completely stole viewer mail from David Letterman. That's true. Oh, my goodness. I didn't even think about that. I didn't either until after I was <laughs> editing the show. I was like, wait, of all the things we've stolen from our our uh, experience with David Letterman growing up, viewer mail is the number one thing. Mm -hmm. uh, my first piece is from our email at bronzeandmoderngods at gmail.com. Say it with me. Our friend Jason Brownell. Brownell is <laughs> how you pronounce it. There's a reason why we answer Jason's uh, viewer mail a lot because they're very well written. Jason writes about Spider-Man, our, our aghastness at the state of the Amazing Spider-Man comic book. Zeb Wells' run of ASM is really rough. This is only one story, however. Slot and Bagley, a dream team for me, are doing solid stories in Spider-Man, and Miles has been greatly improved since the renumbering. Even Zeb Wells has his moments. The first couple issues of his run featured a phenomenal Spider-Man story where he is one up by Tombstone, and based on solicitations, it seems we're returning to that story too soon. Tombstone? You mean an actual street-level mobster? Yeah. I agree that Spider-Man keeps falling from his grounded roots. I would have been fine with Peter and MJ splitting up because they simply got a divorce. Why do we need to bring Mephisto in and resurrect Aunt May for the second time? I'm going to skip ahead a little bit here. I'm a fan of the bigger concepts when done well. Mind swap with Doc Ock that redefines what makes Peter special? I'm in. Yeah. An alien costume that leads to a dark version of Spider-Man? I am in. Clones? Yep. My favorite take is Spider-Verse, however. The spider sense was always a silly silver age concept and to connect it with a bigger concept of the web of destiny and make Spider-Man the avatar of the Marvel multiverse. Yes, please. It reminds me so much of Mark Wade's run on the flash in the nineties, introducing the speed force as the glue of the DC multiverse. There is only one story being told. This is only one story being told amongst a dozen others. There is good work being done as well. Yes, this is just a kid from Queens. But that kid, as early as November 1968, was the son of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents way before he was the host of an alien, <laughs> clone, and an avatar for the multiverse. Great work as always, guys. Jason, thank you for thank putting you, this in perspective. Yeah. I, you know, he said some great things. I'm going to have to actually dip my toe back into reading the spider books again. Um, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, you're right. There's some of the storylines that that have come out, like the whole mind swap with Doc Ock, I thought was really good. Um, I so. like Slot. I like Dan Slot. I liked yeah. mm -hmm. Brand New Day. Brand New Day brought me back. And then, you know, uh, Spider Water Droplet uh, or Spider Hair from the Back of Your Dog multiverse character. <laughs> Uh, I, I like the spider, you know, you know, the, the, the movie spider verse I have really enjoyed uh, some of the comic book spider verse, spider universe, web of destiny. Eh. But the movie stuff is really good. I'm being overly facetious. What's your next piece of your mail? <laughs> My piece for next piece of your mail is also from uh, the bronze and modern gods at gmail.com account. It's from Jose Castillo. Castillo. Yeah. 
Castillon, sorry. Um, hey guys, I recently purchased a CGC 9.0 of Wonder Woman number 157 for an amazing price. Excellent. I knew uh, going in, uh, it was an older CGC slab and had intended to get it reholdered. But when I uh, when it arrived, I saw that the slab is very loose and the book moves ever so slightly. I hate that. Mm -hmm. Also, the older slabs does not notate the first appearance of Egg Fu. Speaking of racist characters. <laughs> <laughs> However, I recently heard a story about how someone sent in a high-grade Silver Age book only for it to come back in a much lower grade due to some aging that happened to the book while it was inside the, the older, poor CGC case. Mm. My, my question is, should I risk sending in such an old book to get a much better case, therefore protecting it more? Also, I must admit, the fact that the first appearance isn't noted on there does bother me as well. Anyways, thanks for the help. I love the show and hope you guys continue to kill it. Well, thank you. Thank you, Jose. Oh, this is a tough one. This is a tough choice. 9.0 is kind of where if you feel the book can get a better grade because CGC has gone through different eras of graders. And in certain eras, the graders were very, very strict and overly strict, let some people say. In other eras, they were very, very loose in their grading. And uh, if you think you've got a book that could benefit from um, from a reholster, sorry, reholder, um, the, oh, I'm sorry. The question also is, are you planning on getting it regraded too? That's that is, yeah. I, I say you've got nothing to lose, Jose. Um, you know, it, it, what is it now? It is a 9.0 in an older case. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you think it's suffered some damage is the damage pressable if the damage is pressable crack that sucker open and resubmit it um i i i think well what were you going to say well if, if if you crack it and resubmit then it's going to go through the grading process again mm -hmm. so it will be evaluated at its current condition uh closely by three separate graders supposedly supposedly and they, then the three separate graders could be the same guy with three different name tags for all i know <laughs> <laughs> if you send it in for a reholder, um, the book is going to be examined, but I don't think it goes through that same process that you go through in grading. They're going to look to see, you know, it, it says a 9-0. Is there any obvious reason why it's not a 9-0 anymore? And they will regrade it. They're going to regrade the whole book. They will regrade it. They, okay. I don't know how clear they are, but they have to because they are. they make you sign a release saying if it gets damaged, during the uh, deholdering process, that you have to accept the new grade. Okay, um, that's that's an interesting. Okay, I I was not aware that they did a whole grade. Then why not just crack it and then resubmit it for a grade? You know. Yeah, and the egg foo first appearance notation is it happening now, um, or are you hoping that it will happen if you reholder it? If, if you want to make sure it happens, then you need to go on the CGC boards. There is a thread in Comics General where you can request new notations to labels and just request the notation. Hey, you guys need to make sure that Wonder Woman 157 is noted as the first appearance of Egg Foo. <laughs> they will do that. Or you can go on CGC site and go... Um and look up the book and this and the census and look up the book 
And when you do, it will show you the census labels that are going to be printed on the, the, the book. So if you see there on the label that it will say first appearance of egg food, then you can be pretty sure that if you get the book regraded, it's going to show up. Um, that's interesting. I never knew that they did a whole regrading. So I, I've submitted a couple of books. For example, my 9.6 um, Ultimate Fallout 4 Dejevic variant, uh, I got for like 800 bucks back in the day. Uh, it's signed by uh, Bagley, Mark Bagley. And um, the case had a big scratch in it. I mean, it was annoying. It was right in the middle of the book, and it was like, eh. So I decided to send it in to get, re, you know, reholder to get a, a clean, fresh case. If I had known that they were going to potentially regrade that book from a 9.6 to, let's say, a 9.4 or 9.2, I just said, you know, I'm keeping the book because I'm not going to risk that book being downgraded to a lower grade. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm thinking of mechanical errors. Uh, but. You know, remember I had my uh, Giant Size X-Men number one, 9.4, that I had to return for a mechanical error mm -hmm. because they bent it when they put it in the slab. They would have, if they hadn't pressed that thing back out like I told them to, they would have not graded it as a 9.4 when they replaced that slab. Or if they did, then they're really, really messed up, more messed up than we ever thought. Mm. I don't know. You guys tell us what your experience is with reholdering. Have you ever had a book... Uh, reholdered and come back lower. I think that's happened to a few people. Okay, this is scaring me because I have a, <laughs> I have a Transformers number one that mm -hmm. has a crack in the case that I need to get reholdered, and I've got a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number one as a third print nine four that needs to be regraded. My my uh, Transformers is a nine eight. So yeah. uh, I, uh, well, I'm, I'm thinking out loud. Sometimes maybe they don't take out the book from the inner well. You know, maybe it's just a, a, a swap of that case. You guys tell us in the comments what you think. Should Richard be uh, making it in his shorts right now? <laughs> I've sat on these books for literally a year and a half because I've been I've been really cautious about sending them back to CGC. Talk so. about pressing. Ha ha ha. My next piece of your mail <laughs> is from Alan Carr. Uh, who writes to us from down under to our email at bronzeandmoderngods at gmail.com. Good evening, John and Richard, because it's Australia. See, it's evening over there. Tomorrow, <laughs> it's tomorrow evening. Great show as always. eBay is a collector's paradise, a great place for buyers, not so much for we sellers, slaving away, offering great comics at bargain prices, taking it on the chin. Agreed, Alan. In the years I've been selling and buying on eBay, I've had the pleasure of delivering some of the very best raw comics to happy punters. We sellers are paying our taxes, propping up our various economies. I'm not saying we're happy with the fees we pay, but we provide employment opportunities to the post office, couriers, and packaging companies, and we recycle cardboard like the devil. <laughs> How often do you say get a copy on eBay for five bucks if it were not for us poor grunts willing to sell a comic for five dollars where would everyone be <laughs> is, is there ever uh, I, I think i missed something here support your favorite oh is there a support your favorite ebay seller day <laughs> if not there should be al. cheers al the gold key four color kid down and uh alan 
I wanted I should play some really stirring orchestral music underneath that when I read it when I'm editing I think I'll add that in there uh, <laughs> I don't know how people sell five dollar books on eBay and and put up with it I wouldn't uh, it it's got to be a couple hundred bucks to make it worth my worthwhile to schlep over to the post office and deal with all that stuff but that's me I'm lazy Richard yeah, I, you know, I think people are, there are a lot of people who sell books in volume on eBay. Um, and perhaps it's better in volume. But to me, if I had $105 books, and I had 100 different characters that bought it from me, and, and out of that 5%, which would be five of them are complete a-holes, and want to get to screw around and waste my time, that 5% right there would be enough for me not to want to do it. So kudos to you. I, I'm, I, you're right. You will, you support those of us who want to fill our runs uh, or who may be looking for a book because of, um, you know, potential spec, whatever the reason you guys who post those books are the unsung heroes of eBay. Bargain eBay sellers. We salute you not a proper salute but i'll teach you later richard your next piece of your mail <laughs> uh my next piece is from kyle m also from our bronze and modern gods at gmail.com account hey guys love the show thank you very much keep up the awesome work we will try uh, my question is as uh is i always keep hearing the term buy the book not the label to the degree i understand but on the other hand as collectors we want the best I'd like to hear your thoughts based on a couple of examples. I totally missed out on the ultimate fallout number four. And with that being a modern day grail, I feel the only copy to buy is a nine, eight, nine, eights are going for around $1,900. Whereas a nine, six is nearly one third of the price at about 700. The label in this case clearly dictates the value. So in a case of a highly sought after book like this, is it better to save up and go big or just settle on the lower values so I can own the book? Another example is I recently purchased a raw low grade Fantastic Four number 49. I paid way below the market and had hopes of getting it graded and coming back in 1.5 or a 2.0, 2.5 if I was really lucky. Upon getting home and taking a much closer look, I realized someone had drawn and traced over the outlines of galactus surfer and the fantastic four awesome <laughs> um which at best would come back in a green label i had it up for sale currently uh, i have it up for sale currently because i again i'm letting that green label dictate how i feel about the book is it better to keep and hold the book uh raw or graded if i decide to send it in or should i try to sell it and just buy a lower grade blue label. Look forward to hearing your thoughts, Kyle M. Um, first of all, Kyle, um, when 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 we talk about buy the book, not the label, um, there's different connotations to that. Um, I have, for example, a book that is um, again, well, it was a book from the Stroller Collection. Uh, it uh, it's a uh, New Mutants number twenty five. It's a rare. Uh, Art Adams variant cover, uh, really hard to come by. We, when I was out at visiting John for the California Comic Con, uh, Comic Convention, and um, picked it up from a guy who was selling it from a stroller. He was pushing around the comic book floor. It was silly. 
uh, I looked at it and it said nine six on the label, and I was all for it. He wanted X number of dollars for it. Uh, I immediately was, you know, I picked it up and I was about to agree to that. And then John, in his ever ever present, looks over my shoulder and says, "Look at the book. Look at the book. Look at the book." <laughs> so I okay. So I looked at it. It says rated graded in nine six, and I looked, and the spine of this book has multiple ticks not like it's black there were three little color breaking spine ticks along that side right and i'm looking and i'm seeing this and you know the spine ticks are present but yet the book has gotten a nine six grade and you know there's different ways of thinking about this one way is it's got a nine six on the label that's what it is forget about the physical book go with the qualification that it was given by CGC and that should be sufficient. The other flip side of that is to hell with what CGC says, look at the book. If you had two books side by side in a nine, six that had no flaws in it, besides maybe, you know, whatever made it a nine, six, some minor, minor flaw. And then this book, which is a nine, six as well, which one would you pick? The one with veritably no flaws or the one that has three obvious spine ticks? So in this case, they're both nine sixes, but they don't, they are different in quality. Yep. And I, and I think that's where, you know, when you go looking at nine sixes or you go looking at a books at nine eights, look at the book to make sure that it meets that standard. I have a couple books I have behind me. Um, my um, Marvel superheroes, number 29.6. 9.6. It's a beautiful book, except there's there's like a literal rip, a tear in the book. Um, on the you know, it goes all the way through the whole book. I don't know if it's counted as a manufacturing flaw or what the reason is, but it's still got a 9.6. I I would never send that book back to CGC to be regrade, you know, to be reholdered because I'm afraid they would see that and they would drop the grade to a 9.4 or 9.2, whatever. Um, but again, if I had that this book um, and another nine six next to it that didn't have that particular flaw, which one would I pick? I would pick the the, the other book. So that's what I typically mean when I say buy the book, not the label. It's also like when you're buying anything, buy buy the seller is another uh, thing that you want to look at. You know, uh, that's a whole other conversation. Now you're talking about the differences between grades for a nine eight or a nine six. Um, Ultimate Fallout 4, yes, nine, nine eights are about $1,900 right now. They've been all the way up to $4,000 um, in the past. So they do fluctuate based on the, you know, the overall trends that are going on in the industry. Nine six is only, um, is only $700. I, me personally, I, well, first of all, I have a nine eight, so I'm going to qualify it with that. But if I didn't have a nine eight, um, you look at it this way, I could buy for the differences, you know, I could buy three $700 books or buy the one um, 9 8. Uh, it's, it's really up to how you want your collection to be structured. If you value 9 8s over anything else, that 9 8 grade, which again is arbitrary, because if we really wanted to say something, a 9 9 or a 10 is a perfect book. The 9 8 is just a grade that the industry is settled in. It's saying that that is the superlative grade for a book. It, it, it really is arbitrary. But if that's what you want your collection to be based on, and most people do, they want to have that higher, higher, higher grade, then, uh, you know, it may be worth spending that $1,900 on that book. But if, if you're happy with a 9.6, I have, like I said, I have a 9.6 
Ultima Fallout 4 um, Dejevic variant. I'm happy with that book. Would I want when I want a 9.8? Yeah, but I don't have $45,000 to spend on a 9.8. The 9.6 is perfectly fine for me. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think that's, that's something that has to be taken in consideration. It, it, everyone has collects comics differently and whatever your method happens to be, um, that's up to you, but take a look at what you see as that perceived value from a book, you know, nine, eight, $1,900 or three smaller graded books. Um, it's totally up to you, John, how do you feel about it? I think, yeah, if you really want one and you can swing the 700 bucks for a nine, six, get it. And then start saving for a nine, eight. Cause you can fund your nine, eight by selling your nine, six when you find yeah. a good one. And since I got a request in a different email about more Susie Orman advice, that's a good way to train yourself to save every payday. You set a goal. So I want to talk about the fantastic Four Forty Nine with the tracing over Galactus silver surfer and fantastic four Kyle, is it ink? on the cover or did someone lay a piece of paper down and just trace over the figures? If it is the latter, you can press that stuff out and really improve the grade of that book. You just have to learn how to use a tack iron and a roller ball. Uh, these techniques are on Captain Mike's YouTube channel, uh, which I always talk about and in his pressing and cleaning Bible that he sells on his site. It's Captain Mike, both with K's. <clears throat> It's Captain with a K, Mike with a YK, uh, check them out. But if someone just traced over those figures, press them out. Make that book a 3.0. My final piece of viewer mail comes to our email at bronzeandmoderngods at gmail.com from Matrix Comics. Hi, John and Richard. John, never would I have thought that the Prince of Puke, John Waters' own Pink Flamingos movie, would come up on the show. <laughs> no, you didn't just mention Divine's infamous dog walking scene. Richard, stay away. It's not for the faint of heart. She just <laughs> taking her dog for a walk and has a little snack. There's nothing wrong. Um, I checked to see if Divine had a comic appearance, but alas, there's nothing official. I did, however, find the attached fan art from artist Shine Galliard. I'm sure I butchered that name on Pinterest. Long live the queen of filth. Best Matrix comics. And there is the cover of John Waters' Pink Flamingos, number one, featuring Divine as the filthiest woman alive. <laughs> oh. I, I That movie is so eminently quotable. I just used to walk around saying, kill everyone now. And people would look at me like I was crazy. It's kind of like you're doing right now. Well, you are crazy, so that's okay. All right, what's your last piece of viewer mail? My last piece is from... Um, Friend of the show, friend of our, our live sales, uh, John, better known as Shrew's Clues. Hey, yeah, how you doing, Shrew's Clues? Um, hey, fellas, I had something very awesome happen last week that I wanted to share. I got a call from a family friend saying they had a, a relative who was looking to get rid of a few boxes of comics they had because I never shut up about comic books. <laughs> they knew I was the person they needed to put him in in, in touch with. I gave them a call and set up a time to swing by and to check out what they had. After speaking with the family, the dad informed me that the two boxes belonged to his son who passed away about 10 years prior and that they had been holding on to them, not quite knowing what to do with them. 
doing a quick look through the boxes, it appeared to be most of it was uh, 90s filler with the occasional bronze or copper book thrown in, but nothing too sexy. I made them an offer for both boxes and told them that it would um, I would most likely donate the majority to the collection of the collection to Comics for Kids, a nonprofit for children's literacy, and anything left over I would probably keep for myself or give to friends. I wanted to be very upfront with them and make sure they were comfortable with what I uh, would do with the books since they had sentimental value. The family loved the idea of them going to kids and learning to read and was very happy with the agreed price. So I took the books home and later that afternoon started to go through them. To my absolute surprise, in the back of the second box were two golden uh, record reprint books, both mid-grade, Journey into Mystery number 83, which is first Thor, and Avengers number four. I immediately packed the books uh, packed up the books and darted over to the family's house to renegotiate the agreement. It just wouldn't have sat right with me to have uh, to have not told them. Long story short, we settled on a new and extremely fair price for the books, and the dad even threw in a stack of Marvel Treasury Edition books he found in the garage that he was going to put out uh, at an upcoming yard sale for free. Um. Great things can still be found in, out in the wild if you look if you let people know you love comics and treat them with compassion. As always, love the show. Um, thanks, John. That's just a great story, and it's 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 it shows why you are such a, a value part of this community. Not not everyone would go back and renegotiate the price given um, given that that discovery of those books. I think that you know you had a lot of lot of sympathy and compassion for the family, and understanding that these books meant more to them than just pieces of paper. So to know that the, there was some value in the books there, I think they they would find exciting. So I I, I say that because not everyone would do that. You know I I I think we all dream of finding that extra rare uh, you know that box. Uh, in a garage sale that's full of Silver Age books that you could buy for a dollar a piece because people don't know what's what's in that box. And then it becomes, a, you know, it's just a moral quandary. What do you do in that situation? Do you inform the people that the books they have are a higher value than what they price them? Or do you accept the fact that, you know, you've come across something that you value more than the people who are trying to sell it? Uh, in this case, I think I think it was it was easy. It was an easy decision because your relationship with the family. But uh, yeah, John, how how would you deal with a situation like that? I take them and run. <laughs> no, not really. I've I've had that situation before. First of all, I think it's different now than it was when we were growing up. When we were growing up as teenagers, early twenties. You didn't want a lot of people to know that you collected comic books. You kind of kept it a secret. Uh, and now it's so common and so accepted. People at my old job knew I was the comic book guy. And <laughs> as a result, they would bring comics to work and be like, hey, are you interested in these? And one of them I got was the first appearance of Batgirl from our head of security. Wow. And I told him, you know, hey, this is really rough, but this is about a 75 at the time. This is like 10 years ago, like a $7,500 book. He's like, yeah, you can keep it, you know. So being honest really does pay off in the long uh, haul. But I think the more important thing I took away from this is letting people know that you're that comic guy. So they come to you and they know to come to you. Uh, just this week, Richard, 
my day job, I'm on LinkedIn, you know, connecting with some people on things. And I send a random LinkedIn request to someone to talk to him about a project I'm working on. And he, believe it or not, guys, this is true. I have the screen grabs to prove it. He comes back and he goes, I watch bronze and modern gods. And I was freaked out that you sent me a LinkedIn request. <laughs> and it had nothing to do with comics. It had nothing to do with this podcast. It was uh, totally work related. It's 2023, you know, there's nothing yeah. to be ashamed of and it could pay off for you in the end. Now, if I found a couple golden reprint books, yeah, I would renegotiate the deal. I, I, I don't know. We, I grew up with good parents and uh -huh. moral structures. So, uh, I don't know. There's something to be said about growing up in the eighties, like, you know, 40 years ago or the old fart rule. They just keep, they just keep getting better and better. Yeah, you're, you're working them in. I love it. I know old fart rule, Richard, you picked it. You talk about it. Yeah. I picked fantastic four number two fifty two this week. Uh, this is a really cool book. Um, the story is, okay, it's Fantastic Four, find a civilization in the negative zone. What's cool about this book is it's printed sideways. The cover is sideways, so it's landscape for those computer people. Um, and the contents of the book are also sideways, uh, with the exception of the ads and the letters page. Um, wonderful John Bernard. I love John Bernard and Fantastic Four. I love John Bernard and pretty much every title he's done. But this book also has the those infamous tattoos, those home tattoos that are included in um, ASM 238. Um, this also came out in this book, and you can find the you know tattoos uh, in between the cover and uh, the, uh, the first first uh, first wrap. So um, make sure you look for those because if the book does not have tattoos then it's going to get a green label it's going to be um you're going to get a green label on the book so you need to have the um the tattoos for it to be complete right now you can get this book uh raws can be had for about ten dollars uh nine eights are only a hundred bucks as a sale in may so you know it's just this is book is not really expensive but it's really unique in 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 its overall format and um i think it's a it's a cool pick john do you, do you have any any backstory on why this book was printed a landscape like that no i i thought for a second that this was the infamous john byrne fantastic four comic that he had drawn for a coca-cola giveaway that was rejected for being too violent but that's actually fantastic four 220 and 221. okay uh, I, I don't know why this was drawn sideways. I remember buying it off the shelf and being really annoyed. I don't like turning my books that way. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was really weird. Um, I, yeah, I didn't know if there was some some reason for it or they just decided this month to 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 be uh, different because that means they had to print the, the whole book had to be yeah, laid just, out sideways like that. Yeah, so. it's just you know I guess it's annoying. Uh, that infamous hawk and dove issue drawn by rob liefeld uh, sideways as well uh, comes to mind this book is infamous because there was an old wives tale i'm not saying it's true i'm not saying it's false that you could buy this book for the tattoos and transfer them no pun intended to an amazing spider-man 238 first appearance of the hobgoblin that's missing tattoos I'm not saying you could do it 
not saying it's morally right to do it. I'm not saying it's possible to do it. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just saying it's time for our underrated books of the week. <laughs> Were you going to say something else about those tattoos, Richard? I was just going to say, you know, I never thought about just buying the book just to use the tattoos because I don't, can't tell you how I want to see how those tattoos look because I have never actually been brave enough to take a, a 238 and rip the tattoos out of it. I'm not saying there's a way to remove the tattoos from the envelope that's included and to replace them into a different book that is missing the tattoos. I'm not saying anything like that at all. I am saying my underrated book this week is Tales of Asgard number one. Look at that. Pretty. This was uh, this cover, this art by uh, Jack Kirby was included in a Marvel poster book that I had in the like oh, wow. 70s. And I loved this. I hung it on my wall. And I would stare at it. Just such great art uh, of all the Asgardians there. This book was a giant size one shot from 1968. It reprints, of course, the Tales of Asgard backups from Journey into Mystery. Why does this book exist? I don't know. Why did Martin Goodman decide to publish a Tales of Asgard one shot? I don't know. Was it to secure the copyright of Asgard as a trademark? I'm looking. Sure enough, Asgard is trademarked. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, Tim, the, trademark ancient I, Norse. The title Tales of Asgard is probably what okay. it's trademarked. But, you know, uh, the same reason why they revived a, a, a character called Captain Marvel to grab that when it was not being used. I don't know why this book exists. It's a, a strange one for me. Uh, the last sale of a CGC 9.8 of that book was in 2020 for $1,020. The most recent high grade sale, however, was for a CGC 9.4 in April of this year for a whopping $204, which really seems low to me. Um, I love this book. Oh. I yeah, I think this copy's a nine six or you know, around there. I don't think it's a nine eight. It is gorgeous. There must have been a, a warehouse find of this book because I do see high grade copies of this quite a bit. And I think the pricing reflects that. Mm -hmm. Still underrated in my book, though. Yeah. Yeah. So so how does Marvel trademark things like Thor and Hercules? I don't know if Thor is trademarked, but the mighty Thor is trademarked. Okay. Right. Uh, so I if I wanted to make a comic book called Half-Ass Thor, I could do that? There's Thors all over. There's a Thor in the DC universe. There's Thors everywhere. Uh, okay. I think it's the type treatment. I think it's the title treatment. Uh, you know, that's that's the way it's done. I don't think you can copyright a, a ongoing comic named Thor. Mm -hmm. That might be a battle. Okay. Well, they have lawyers that make more money than I do, so I'll, I'm assuming there's a way that can happen. Yeah, they're busy suing the creators of those characters. <laughs> yes, right yes. What is your underrated book of the week? My pick is Superman number 10 from 2016. It's actually early 2017. It's covered in January 2017. Um, first appearance, or sorry, the first meeting of John Kent, uh, the son of Superman, and Damian Wayne, the son of Batman. Um, the first contact was not smooth. These two did not hit it off. They got in a big battle that uh, had to be separated. Um, I, I, I love these comics, this, these first meet comics, especially two major characters like like this. Uh, you know, 
Uh, John Ken has gone on to have his own book. And of course, Damian Wayne is, has been in a variety of different titles. And um, this book is the first time they've actually come in contact with each other. Still affordable. You can find this in comic shows all the time uh, at a reasonable price. I see Raw's going for about $10. Uh, thank you very much for your raw, you, you raw dealers on eBay. Nine eights are only 149. There's a newsstand version that goes for a little bit more for this book. And there's a variant cover, which I, in my laziness, did not actually look at. So um, I just, <laughs> it's available according to show G prep. Show prep, yes. Um, it's To me, this is a great book to pick up. Um, I, 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 you know, the two of them are always going to have conflict just like their parents. And I think, uh, just as important, uh, the importance of the relationship between Batman and Superman, the relationship between their two sons, I think is also important. So pick it up. I think it's a, it's a good buy. There's some sexual tension on this cover. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, you know, I very well could be. All right. That's another week, Richard. Uh, thanks everybody for tuning in. We truly do appreciate each and every one of you. Absolutely. And if you want to uh, really support the show, you can contact us at Instagram and Facebook at bronze and modern gods or the website bronze and modern gods.com. We do, as you can see, because of the, the copious amount of emails that we, we read this show, uh, we read the emails and uh, the comments for the show too. So please. Feel free to voice your opinion. Hit like, hit subscribe, hit the notification bell, support the show, and we will catch you next time. Yep. Everybody stay safe.